As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome back to Pot on the Time, the Athletics, dedicated Newcastle United podcast. My name's Taylor Payne and I've got George Colton with me. You alright, George? First time I've been called dedicated or the first time the word dedicated has been used anywhere <laughs> near me. Yeah, I'm alright. I'm just reeling. I'm reeling from that FA Cup draw. I'm thinking that if by some miracle we get through that, we'll be drawn against the 1970 Brazil team. Very possible, yeah. Very possible. In the, in the semi-final. Uh, Chris Watts here as well. Chris, how the devil are you? I'm reeling from that and having just paid £300 for some new glasses, which, given that that's to watch more of Tuesday night, I'm a little bit frustrated on that as well. I don't think I can cope with any any more viewing in that regard. How are you, Taylor? I'm like 300 quid for glasses, Chris. Do they, do they well, say into the future one, or something? More, more than one pound. I, I wish I could, because then I could tell you whether it's worth me going the anti-hard in a few weeks or not. But um. Fair play. And we've also got a very, very special guest today as well. We said we'd have her back on the show, and here we are three days later. Here she is. Amber Keegan-Stobbs is here as well. Amber, how are you doing? Oh, well, thank you. Thanks, Krause. Uh, yeah, that was uh, a little bit Steve Wright in the afternoon. Exactly the, well, the late, great Steve Wright in the afternoon. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Excited to be on the pod. I'm excited with the times at the moment, like having a very good time as a, a Newcastle women player. So, Excellent stuff. All good. Well, we're going to talk about the Blackburn game first of all, if that's okay. Um, George, yes, you were in the away end nice and early, weren't you? Which was a very good idea, as the turnstiles uh, set the tone for the night, didn't they? Did you manage to get in okay? Yeah, I mean, I was there very early because I drove Chris down, so we had to get there at about four o'clock in the afternoon, which meant I then sat in my car for two hours whilst he went into the press room. <laughs> yeah, I was I was there as the turnstile opened. It it was a bit shambolic, I have to say. It was there was one male steward passing down every fella who went in but only one so even though I was quite near the front of the queue it took me quite a while to get in and even at that point it was mm, I'm not sure you know when you've got 7,200 or whatever it was Newcastle fans going down to the match um, that felt sort of fairly fairly inevitable but I did get in and how what a lucky boy I, I was to be there for that. Absolutely, yeah, it was a great night, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, Eddie Howe described that first half performance, Amber, as a, an Arsenal hangover, but I'm pretty sure hangovers are meant to come from you having a good time, aren't they? 
Not me, obviously, because I'm an elite athlete, but I think a lot of, of people course. say they've had a hangover from a bad a bad time as well. So <laughs> So I I I have a question, and this is this is a you know a question that I want to ask a professional footballer. So recently, right, your team went three hundred and ninety-nine days without losing. You're top of your league, you're into a cup final. What is the difference for a footballer between playing with confidence and playing without confidence? Because I look, I, you know, Newcastle got got through, the men's team got through the other night, but it felt like hard work. And you're sort of watching them. It feels laborious. It feels kind of slow. Is does it have it? Does confidence have like a tangible effect for you when you when you're playing? Yeah, massively. I think it's like the confidence that you can drive within yourself but also it's nice to feel it in the environment and the team as well I think we're we're uh, confident in our team it sharpens everything it sharpens your decision making sharpens your trust in your ability trusting the person you're playing it to and everything like that we're, we're big on that and and kind of making yourself feel good and confident in in our game plans even big as well like there's so many things that confidence can affect or that can affect confidence um, so I think it's the biggest thing You've also been in teams that have struggled, haven't you, in, in the past, in, in your career. What's And can you flip that round? What's it like when you're part of a team that isn't winning every week, that is losing or or not you know not winning all the time? Is there a sort of heaviness in your legs? Is there a slowness in your decision-making in those moments? When you're not full of confidence, it kind of leaves room for any negative thoughts or doubts, if that makes sense. So one that springs to mind, um, I was playing at Watford and we weren't, weren't having our best season, but they had just been promoted beforehand. And it was kind of going to be a, a head-to-head, sorry, with Coventry at the time. So Coventry were also not having a great season, but they had had a 10-point deduction for some things at their club. They then probably had their backs against the walls and were just like, we've got nothing to lose. Like, you know, their story would have been, uh, well, you've got 10 points deducted and you're also not the top performing team relegations on the card for you but I think they were a team that had the confidence and they kind of just went with nothing to lose and just went for it and then on the other side we had that okay we're Watford Coventry look like they could be catching us are they catching us like wait a minute how's this happening and it's just like because we maybe didn't spend our time focusing on them but I would say we weren't like okay let them do what they're doing we're here we're playing and we'll kind of stick to our jobs and be confident in what we're doing actually came to a head-to-head game on paper and just like that, it was kind of like we should probably beat them. We, we like we were on better form at that point, uh, and they scored a um, extra time, and I would say eight minutes of extra time, absolute worldy free kick, which relegated us. But genuinely, I think the changing rooms. If you looked at the level of confidence in the teams, in the changing rooms, individuals and team, like is it we're backing everything we're doing and we're playing to win, versus playing not to lose like yeah. the just confidence makes such a big difference and I would say that's when I was in a team that we fell victim to our own confidence levels that's interesting because I, I don't know what Chris Chris would say but I thought in that you know we we're talking about the, the the first half in Newcastle you know they were trying to keep keep the ball the other night against Blackburn but it felt sort of very slow that there was almost that fear of giving the ball away that people were. There was a bit of hesitancy there, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. We're sort of thinking about not making a mistake as opposed to doing something progressive, doing something, you know, taking a risk maybe. And I do think it's just fascinating the effect that a sort of dodgy result or a difficult spell or conceding goals sort of must have on the brain and that things that you would have taken for granted a year ago suddenly just evaporate because 
because you just don't have that confidence. Let's uh, let's ask our resident elite athlete, Chris Woff. Um, Chris, what is it with, with Newcastle at the minute? The, the, the confidence isn't there. They seem to be hesitant on the ball, as George says. Players who, in the past, have, have looked supremely confident just look as though they're kind of unsure of themselves a bit. Yeah, tentative would be the word that I'd use for the, for the first half. I, I agree with George. I thought that they had a lot of possession from the, through the centre-backs, and I think that was partly through Blackburn's game plan. I think they were happy for Newcastle to have that, and then they sat quite deep in a deep shape. And given Newcastle's struggles at the moment, or their lack of confidence, or the lack of fluidity a little bit, and I agree with how I do think there was a hangover from the Arsenal game. I mean, they'd spoken about it behind the scenes, and I think they realised that that first half at the Emirates just wasn't them at all. And... The first half in particular, I think that it actually gave Blackburn, they, they grew in confidence as the first half went on because Newcastle didn't seem to have any real ability to break them down or the, the ability to make those incisive passes. Blackburn got a couple of sort of breakaways or they caught the ball in transition and they had a couple of very good opportunities in that first half. And and it wasn't, it, Newcastle's XG at halftime was only 0.08, which says everything really. They didn't really have any chance of, of any real note. And Blackburn had two big ones, which Martin Dubravko was obviously man the match for Newcastle by a country mile, made a, a couple of, of big saves. And it just felt like they had to grow into the game, and I do think in the second half they did improve earlier. I think that I think that the the longer the game went on up until the point when Newcastle scored the first goal, I do think not not drastically, but I do think they did improve after a difficult first half. Like you said, that Newcastle barely had a chance until Anthony Gordon puts us ahead on seventy five minutes. George, it was nice work from Miggy Almiron, wasn't it? Come off the bench, and it was good to see a slightly stronger bench than what we've had in recent weeks. Oh, it was it was a world class bench compared to what we've seen in in recent weeks yeah and that was one of the kind of real encouragement you know not not only to see you know Joe Willock start um, but to have players like Miggy able to kind of come on come on with pace come on with something to prove you know we saw that right at the start of the season that was one of Newcastle's real strengths that players were coming on sort of angry you know if they've not started the match coming off angry if they're not lasting the match and it's just you know that's absolutely what Newcastle uh, have been kind of crying out for it's not just as straightforward as saying that those players are back because some of them certainly in the case of Harvey Barnes you know obviously Alexander Isak is still trying to find his fitness they're not they're not back at full pelt yet but but it's just so encouraging to have those to have those options and yeah there was a big improvement I thought when when uh, when Miggy came on and you know was that targeted running and yeah, got to that point where really I th- I thought when that game went in that was that was going to be it. That yeah. should be game over at that point. It was sort of really starting to kind of dominate at that point and and turn the screw. Well, this is it. Just when you think we're going to close it down and we're going to get it over the line, uh, Amber Newcastle concede a goal and 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 Blackburn equalise and Jamal Lascelles has himself a little bit of a moment over on the touchline and it was it was it was a tough watch that wasn't it? It was. I just think as well though, like when we're talking about the confidence of the players, like, it's that feeling of like, oh, we're going to concede here. You know, like as a fan watching and things like that. So that's where I'm like, you don't know how the team's feeling in that point as well. Because I think I was watching it like, wait a minute, we look a little bit on the back foot here. Yeah. And they're building momentum. But that's where I think like the confidence just sways it. And I'm just like, I'm really big on kind of like sports psychology and, and the mental side of the game. You can see the shift in, in parts of the game. And I think, yeah, that, like you said, I, it's about scoring and then kicking on and, and then seeing the game out and kind of, you know, the first five, ten minutes after you score uh, is really important. 
It's really interesting that because you were saying as a fan, you feel it when you're watching it. The amount of times I've watched the football match and we've conceded a goal and you say, I've say I could see that coming a mile off. Do you feel that on the pitch as a player? Like, do you do you sense that or is that is that not entering your head? Uh, you can do, yeah. It's more as well like a feeling of the team. Like you can sense others and you can sense like how we're... And so um, I know we're, we'll get onto it later, but like, for instance, there's been times this season where we've conceded and we're like, oof. Like, and then you can see the people's emotions are a little bit heightened. And then again, yeah. like anything, it's like emotionally regulating in the game. So if you don't have that in the game, you then affect your confidence and then affect your decision-making and everything like that. And it can actually spiral out, like as a team, not even individually. So yeah, I think it's really key to how you're reacting to those things. But yeah, you definitely get those feelings, whether it's individual or a team. But I think in our team at the moment, we've got some people that are picking each other up if we sense that we feel that. That makes sense. If that we feel like that, or is it coming? We might concede, we might concede. You've got enough people that are going, no, we're fine. And, and kind of, boosting us back up is the goal that Portsmouth scored in your cup semi-final kind of a good uh, you know relevant in that in this discussion yeah definitely that's what I mean I think that was a time that we conceded but we I mean I didn't know what it looked like from the outside and things like that but it wasn't right we've conceded we're defeated here it was like okay that's part of the game ideal if that doesn't happen but it's happened but we kick on and then I think you could see that we just had the confidence that we'd score yeah 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 and yeah. I've been in teams where you do concede and you haven't got that confidence and then it is a real hit. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But towards the end of that second half, Chris, and into extra time, there's a series of guilt-edged chances for Newcastle, isn't there? And they really should put some of them away. I mean, we've hit the target every time, but we've also hit the goalkeeper every time as well. Well, not every time, but most of the times we've hit the target. A couple of them did miss the target. But just because I didn't get to stand next to George and, and, and relay tactical uh, bollocks to him during the match itself, I'm going to give him some now and just refer to, to, to XG again. So I said at half time Newcastle's XG was 0.08. By the end of extra time, their XG was 3.3 and yeah. obviously only scored once. So th- there was there was a there was a series of chances. I mean Gordon had a one before he actually scored when Sean Longstaff had played him through. He he gets over that and manages to, to put Newcastle ahead. But then Gordon has other chances. There's chances for Longstaff himself. Harvey Barnes has a guilt-led chance, which yeah. he puts wide. Bruno Gimraes has a chance, which which is saved. And it was just very, very wasteful. Newcastle went from having not had many chances at all to, in extra time, there was actually quite a few opportunities. I mean, Blackburn had a couple on the break as well, but particularly for Newcastle, they had those opportunities. And you thought they put one of these away, just like after they'd scored the first one, you thought that might be Blackburn done here. They managed to get away back in because Jamal Lascelles does his sort of Kieran Trippier, Everton Kieran Trippier and <laughs> Chelsea yeah. moment of the of the season. 
and again, this is maybe a question for Amber, but is that, do you think to a certain degree that's almost a rashness to what Newcastle are trying to do because they're so desperate to get that? Or is it just one of those things where sometimes you have those matches and you don't take your chances? Um, it, it sounds like I'm actually waffling on, but I mean, when three players have a chance and put it wide, what's the thought process of the team? Is it, oh no, on any other day we would have scored that, we didn't score that, yeah. are we going to get another chance? That's the thing that I'm talking about with confidence and just like, oh, it's one of those days. It's one of those days. Like if you wake up in the morning, non-football day, and you like stub your toe and you've hit the roof with it and then you spill coffee down your shirt and and then you just tell yourself. Sounds like every day I have. But this is the thing. Taylor, you're probably, those days you're probably going, oh, it's going to be another one of those days. Oh, it's going to be another one of those days. (laughs) Need to go back to bed. Don't don't touch anything sharp. Go to bed. You just channeled into one of those days and then... Even when things aren't, that's how you see it through your lens, and then it yeah. becomes one of those days yeah. inevitably. So normally, when I stub my toe, I'm, I'm like, oh no, okay, that's all right, that's done now. Move on. But I think that is relevant to to football, like that Harvey Barnes chance for me as well. I was like, any day of the week, he puts that in. Oh dear, it was like painful. I, it was just a form of agony as each one yeah. each one happens. Oh, it's you know, you're looking around. Everyone's got there. I mean, it was a brilliant away end. I have to say, but you know, at the start in particular, very, very noisy. You've got all those people there. But again, that sort of lack of confidence infiltrates every part of the night, doesn't it? And it was certainly infiltrating the away end. And sort of by the end, you know, it's so nervy that all it is is, you, you know, you can hear, you, you, people are still singing and that, that still happens. But in between, you can hear individual voices and it's all like, oh, <laughs> Christ Jesus, oh, no. Yeah. It was so tense. I was convinced was so that when it went to penalties, we would we wouldn't be able to get through. I, I don't know why. I just, I had convinced myself that after missing all of those chances no. and the confidence felt low, I just thought the last thing we need to do is try and take a penalty shootout. <laughs> you know, I just thought, oh, it's just not, it's not what we need at the minute. Good job you went on the pens then, Taylor. <laughs> I would have been less than useless. My penalty would have went That's backwards. That's the attitude. That's all I'll say. Um, but the penalties, it turns out, were decent. Um, Dubravka makes a great save from Smorich. Um, Elliot Anderson as well, his first kick in oh, God knows how long. And let's start with Fabian Scher, Chris. Um, if Fabian Scher was a penalty, he would be that penalty, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, that was that was coolness personified, wasn't it? Just standing up in front. And again, I mean, Newcastle, it was interesting. You, you heard some of the players and the, and the manager talk afterwards about... Obviously, the last penalty shootout they had was was away at Chelsea, and they ended up losing it. And they spoke about how important it was that they actually won the toss, and Jamal Lascelles opted to then have the penalties in front of the yeah. of the away end. And you wonder would would Fabian Share have done it on the other side of the pitch? He probably would have done because it's Fabian Share. <laughs> but, but you have that sort of psychological advantage. Also, going first, they thought that that was important. I mean, Blackburn actually opted to go second, and 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 and, and Newcastle felt it was important to be able to to then go ahead and yeah you had shares penalty which was that I mean I, I want to stress about Elliot Anderson's how much pressure was on him I mean he he literally has not kicked a football since October he, he came on with four minutes of extra time to go did not touch the ball when he came on and had been brought on simply to take a penalty Howe said I, it was yeah. a very last minute decision to even include him in the squad I knew he certainly couldn't play any longer than 10 minutes and I didn't really want to play him unless I had to but he referred to him as a dead ball specialist and said I sent him on knowing he would score and that is immense pressure to come on the pitch at that point and then the way that he put away the penalty as well it was just superb yeah. he, he hasn't actually scored a senior goal for Newcastle as well I mean he technically did but it was disallowed at Nottingham Forest controversy last year but to be brought on in that situation with all of that only 21 years of age in 
such a huge moment in Newcastle's season. I thought that took some absolute balls. I would like to stress just how furious I was with everybody who didn't blast the ball as hard as possible. <laughs> but having rewatched Fabian Shea's penalty, it's you, you know there was a touch. <laughs> there's a touch of sexiness there, isn't there? I mean, I have to say, there's it's he's a very very attractive man, and that was yeah, it was suitably attractive, but. Yeah, I was I was not happy at the time. What did you make of Bruno's run oh, after what he did against? No, I don't. PTSD. I, I, I cannot oh approve. I mean, I'd like to know. I'd like to know what Amber thinks. I mean, I'm a big believer in black football boots, and I'm a big believer in <laughs> blasting penalties as hard as possible. Where do you stand on those two things? Um, I think it depends who you are. I think do what makes you play the best. So, I started the season with uh, all black boots because I was very like I'm a black boot player but when I was younger I'd, I could wear any colour boot but now I'm like no no I'm, I'm staying in my staying in my lane I'll, I'll wear black boots but then uh, I did an Adidas event and they gave me some boots and they sent me two <laughs> pair of white ones and I was like you've changed what am I gonna do you've with changed this? Amber you've ju- you, you've, I do really you've like changed. them thank you Adidas um, but uh, yeah as far as that goes wear what boots suit you how about that okay what about penalties uh, just score Whatever it takes to score, just score. I can feel my heart breaking as I speak, but that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, if someone's not got accuracy with power, then they're going to have to do what works for them, aren't they? Yeah, okay. Well, it worked anyway, didn't it? Sorry, sorry. That's all right, that's all right, let's just move on. (laughs) Wear colourful boots if you are good enough. Is that a better answer? Yeah, I'm not, I mean, nobody wears black boots anymore, do they really, apart from the odd... The odd, I mean, I remember when Alan Pardew started wearing white silver boots, and I think you know the game was the game was gone. Managers, I think managers should wear black boots. I think that's just the way it should yeah. be. Players, I don't really mind, but I do. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not moving on the penalty thing. You kick the ball absolutely as hard as you can, and therefore, if the keeper gets to it, you might still get past him. Does it shock you, Amber, that George isn't actually professionally involved in a football outfit, or does it? <laughs> I was just thinking, I wonder when George last took his penalty. 4-4 four, four, fucking 2. <laughs> Mike Bassett, yes. Well, we've spoke a little bit about his zone of influence in the last few weeks, Chris, Martin Dubravka, but we've got nothing but praise for him after this game, have we? He was magnificent on the night, kept us in the tie, and arguably uh, his best save was preceding the Blackburn goal. Unbelievable tip onto the bar. Yeah, he was superb. Newcastle's, as I said earlier on, Newcastle's man the match by a country mile uh, he, he made some very, very big saves, important ones. And yes, I thought that the one that when he tipped the, the, the shot on the bar before Schmodix put it in, yeah. how referred to it as probably the best save of the night. And I think it was to so have got a finger tip to it was was, was impressive. And then to, to then respond in penalty shootout as well. I thought his save for the for the last penalty was a very, very good save as yeah. well. That wasn't a bad penalty, that. But nice height from, but it was going yeah. in towards the bottom corner. He had to get right across and then tip it round the post. Uh, yes, he, he really did stand up because we, there has been a, a bit of criticism for him. And yes, the team's style maybe hasn't adapted. He hasn't been able to adapt to that so much given the way that they, they play when Pope's there. But certainly a Blackburn on, on Tuesday night, he, he was the one. He's the reason why Newcastle managed to get through that tie. There was a lovely moment right at the end when the Newcastle players come and celebrate in front of their fans and Bruno pushed uh, Martin Dubravka forward and kind of pointed at him and Dubravka sort of tapped his chest and took, you know, look, you know, look, was very sort of humble about it. But, you know, I thought that was a very, you know, very nice moment. He's been a great servant to, to Newcastle. It's been a really tough time. 
you know, for him and the whole team. But of course, uh, you know, since he came into the uh, came into the side, it's been worse for him because Newcastle have been conceding a lot of goals. It's not, it's you know, it's not his fault that they've been conceding a lot of goals, but it will be, you know, playing on his mind. I'm sure affecting his pride, and you know, you want to keep clean sheets, you want to win games, and so it's been tough for him. So, on a personal level, I'm just really pleased that he was able to sort of have that moment in front of the Newcastle fans. And yeah, as Chris said, he was absolutely. He was brilliant. Absolutely. He was fabulous on the night. And does that result in that winning moment, though, does it energise us, Amber, do you think? Or has it all been snuffed out by that draw against Man City in the next round? No, it has to energise us. It has to. Like, Obviously, it was not the best game as a fan to watch, but we've got the uh, referee goal that pulls it out of the bag. Like, just when you win a game and you are really off your level, regardless who you're playing against and stuff like that, it's kind of one where you're like, right, well, we were off our level. We got the result, so then like we just got to get back to our level, sort of thing. Yeah, bit of a fluffy answer there because uh, just a Newcastle fan. But yeah, I think <laughs> if you're gonna, it is that, isn't it? Like you can't help it; your brain looks out for danger. So if you're focusing on missing chances and that's going to be negative, and oh no, oh no, like surely when you win, you've just got to focus on that, focus on the positives, and and the result has ultimately got us through to the next round. And we've uh, beat Man City before, so yeah, we have. I can't kind of quite make my mind up or I couldn't make my mind up yesterday, the day after the match. It's sort of, on the one hand, you have to say, you know, got through. That's all that matters on the night. It absolutely is. It's one defeat in seven. You see that bench, you see players coming back and hope that by the time the, you know, the the next the next round comes along that there is a chance to, to sort of have a bit of momentum and that they can use getting through like that um to their to their benefit great on the other hand that you know the form that Newcastle are in is very similar to their to the Arsenal game and of course there've been all these games and conceding lots of goals I sort of just I, I think it is a sort of microcosm of the whole season just that there is that sort of you can't quite put your finger on it I mean aside from all the injuries obviously that said that's been a huge theme and the disruption that's been caused by by all that and then I was definitely erring on the side of positivity yesterday and then that then that draw sort of hits you and it you know it's just been like this all the way through the season it has been an absolutely astonishing season in terms of you know no luck at all no kind draws even when it's lower division teams it's been you know it's been away from home and sort of very little respite so in in those you know, in those in that sense, it's absolutely of of a keeping with that. But yeah, I, you have to hope that getting through the way they did gives them a chance to sort of at least take a breath and then take that into the into the Wolves match. And as George says, Chris, group of death in the Champions League, six European champions uh, faced and PSG, zero home matches in the FA Cup. If we do win a cup after all of that, it could be the greatest achievement in the history of football, couldn't it? He says with his tongue planted firmly in his cheek. Yeah, because. <laughs> we're very insular here and we have to just reflect everything in that way that it would very much be. No, I mean, the cup draws is one thing, but we don't need to go into it all. But this season in general, the amount of... Mad. Yeah, the, 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 it has felt like a perfect storm of so many different factors and we, we use the word mitigation a lot. But if, if you look at that and think that, yes, two of the sides Newcastle have faced away in the FA Cup this season have, have, have been lower league sides, but one of them was... The first weird time derby since 2016. So it was also yeah. you've got that you've got that to factor in as well. And 
with all of the injuries, with Tenali's suspension, Dan Ashworth, that you, you could go on and on, and it has felt like there is there is so much that is pulling at Newcastle's season and, and affecting them. But yeah. they have gone to Old Trafford and won this season with uh, with a, a largely nearly even third string team. As as disrespectful as that sounds, they have beaten Man City at home in the League Cup. Should have been Chelsea away should, from should, home. Should have beaten Chelsea. That doesn't detract from how difficult a tie this is. I mean, yeah. the, the the treble winners. They've got an exemplary home record. Newcastle's record at the Etihad is appalling as well. So it it feels very very cruel. <laughs> Although does. the way the, 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 the there are quite a few big teams have got through to, to to the quarterfinals. There wasn't really a quote unquote easy draw unless you'd have got Coventry, which obviously they came out early on and Newcastle didn't. So Newcastle were the very last ball out of the draw as well. I don't want one of our regular listeners. Pastor Eric Brown to get angry with me, but it does feel like the footballing gods are well and truly against us. He needs to pray harder. He does. I saw a thing which said it was less than 1% chance of getting four away draws in a row in the FA Cup. And I think Amanda needs to put needs to put a few quid on the Euro Millions this weekend because that something's got to come in, hasn't it, yes. eventually? That would help towards FFP, wouldn't it, surely? It's bloody nonsense. So... There's been uh, there's been some fans calling out the team on uh, on the old social media as they do uh, for questionable performances and maybe they need to look at themselves in the mirror. Uh, stories of people leaving before extra time, uh, thinking there would be a replay and someone who went via Scotland on the way home. George. Yeah, well, I'd, I need to give a shout out to a couple of people. Firstly, I was standing in the Darwin end. I was standing next to a lad called uh, Chris Foston. Chris with a K. And right at the start of the night, he'd had a few pints, bless him. Uh, He was a lovely lad, but he said, um, George, I am going to play the Chris role tonight, which of course was appropriate because that was his name. And he said, I'm just going to mither you all the way through this match. (laughs) So it was like a little home from home for me in the away end there. And actually, he didn't. He was he was uh, he was great company. Was Chris? He didn't ask me about six versus eight he didn't like tell me Jolinton has moved well he wasn't playing he didn't tell damn it he didn't tell me that Bruno had moved half an inch further upfield in the start of the second half and all that so and he didn't make me miss a goal so a lot of love for Chris unfortunately however he was constantly checking his watch as the second half was ticking on and um, and then we went into extra time and he had to fuck off to run to the station and therefore missed the penalties so I, I, he was, he was lovely though, and um, I tried to find him on X, formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> the other day, and um, I said, "Can the Chris who was who was standing next to me please make himself known?" And a different Chris said, "I am not that Chris, but I left thinking it was a replay. <laughs> I only realised when I got in the car and put Talksport on that penalties were happening, and I just think that is so beautifully <laughs> hapless." I mean, it is beautifully hapless, that. I mean, well done. I mean, just just a big shout to Chris Graham for that because that was just beautiful. To be fair, a lot of Blackburn fans thought that as well because a lot got up at the end of regulation 90 minutes and went to leave. So I think there is the confusion this season of the, the... the League Cup now obviously goes straight to penalties and because yeah. because it wasn't going straight to penalties and you do actually have replays in the third and fourth round. Still, I mean, people should know, but maybe, maybe we should, we as media... spoiling my stories, Chris. ...make people more <laughs> aware of it. There was somebody else as well, wasn't there, who, who drove back up the M6 and hadn't realised that they'd missed their turn-off for the year 69. I think they were chatting about the match and they went past the welcome to Scotland <laughs> sign. <laughs> 
which I just <laughs> think is great. Fabulous, well. isn't it? <laughs> it was great. Paid attention to One so of those little. days. It was one of those it's days. Of those it days. really <laughs> was. It End up in was. the wrong country. That's impressive. Uh, right then, uh, let's have a little break uh, and we'll be back in just a moment to talk about the lasses. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can beat you and we are going to win. Right then, so on to the women's team. Uh, Amber is here, of course. Amber, uh, let's start with that amazing moment at St. James's Park at the week. Oh my God, George, was that your cat falling from the ceiling again? That was Bobby, yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry, Bobby. Come on. All right. George has a cat launcher in He's his... He's buzzing for St. James's Park. <laughs> Sorry. Let's try that again. Yeah, yeah, Newcastle through and through. Uh, so, on to the women's team. And Amber is here, of course. Uh, let's start with that amazing moment at St. James's Park at the weekend. Have you uh, fully come down from that yet? How are you feeling? I'm not sure I have uh, come down, to be honest. Someone asked me the other day how it was, and I was just like, I'm great. I'm great. And in my head, all I was thinking is I've played at St. James's Park. Um, so, yeah, I wish we could do it every day. Uh, no, it was it was unbelievable. Um, genuinely... It was like the best day that I've ever had. Firstly, I mean, obviously, on behalf of of us and Newcastle fans everywhere, congratulations! You are you're a star, and you're a team of stars, and you've got us to a cup final, and that is just absolutely incredible. It's just brilliant. So, thank you. I am going to start off by embarrassing you though, because um, I was I was very close to the pitch. And you'd said you'd said to to me when we chatted for that big piece about the about the women's team that you were going to get emotional, and my goodness, you were emotional when uh, when local local hero was played, and you were you were in the warm up and doing all that. You were the t- the tears were just streaming down your face, weren't they? Yeah, I'm not embarrassed of that. That's all right. It was amazing. Uh, so uh, it uh, yeah, I did say it'd be emotional and. I just, I literally couldn't stop. I was like, so we walked the warm up. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. I was just really happy. And like, I get really nervous before games, but really nervous previously in my career, including this season, I've actually thrown up before games. Wow. But on Sunday, I had no nerves. Wow. I was like the calmest I've ever been, obviously, apart from the crying. But I, uh, yeah, warm up, I was feeling good. And then when we, started walking out, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling very emotional. It's actually okay. Oh, wait a minute. 
oh gosh and then <laughs> I just couldn't oh geez yeah and it was like I was thinking okay stop now yeah you're here now and I just couldn't my eyes they just like couldn't tell the taps off I did have a conversation with Katie Barker proper Geordie and I just said to her in the change room there's actually a picture of it I did say like KB I've got a quick question she was like yeah I was like how do you control your emotions when you walk out at St James's Park I asked George Gibson the same I said how do you control it because I'm I don't think I'll be able to now and uh KB went Ah, no, you don't have to. Like, you can just... I mean, what do you mean? She goes, every time I cry. So I was like, all right. So she gave me <laughs> she gave me the heads up and I, I felt a little bit like, okay, this is this is all right. But yeah, it was a bit tough when I was walking up to the coin toss because I was still just crying. <laughs> was was there something sort of specific? I mean, is it just the trigger of just being there and the, and the, and the song and the crowd? And, or was there something kind of specific for you that was, that sort of set you off that you were thinking about? Yeah, so... It's no secret that I absolutely love Newcastle and my dad's a Geordie and I was just meant to play for this club and now I am. But um, proper nostalgic memories are are driving up from London, coming to Newcastle, uh, seeing my grandparents up here and just going to St James' Park games. And I think, uh, unfortunately, my grandparents passed away when I was younger, like nine and ten. They never really got to see me properly play. So, like, it's almost that. I had two uncles as well that passed away from up here. So, although I've got Geordie family, they're unfortunately no longer with us. So, I was almost, like, there, just, like, I hope somewhere they can see this. So, not to, like, you know, proper bring it down and deep, but, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. That for me, but also just, like, my personal story and the places that I've been. Yeah, yeah. Like I said to you, honestly, like, I know that that was kind of, clipped onto the pod as well like I was just like geez I could have missed this moment and I haven't so yeah well again I mean that is very special and and congratulations it was just a beautiful moment and it does it is that kind of great reminder that however sort of irritated we might get with results or carried away when things go the wrong way you know it is about family and it's about communion and it's about connection and it's about all of us sharing something you're you know you got to do it on the pitch um just incredible and you were part of a brilliant team performance you were sensational and I'm, I'm not embarrassed about saying that to you you were absolutely wonderful now i'm embarrassed um good well but yeah talk us a little talk us through the the kind of whole performance i mean it was one actually where some really experienced and Geordie players came to the fore again. You know, whether you're talking about Georgia, obviously scoring her regulation goal at the Gallagate or or Charlotte Potts, who I just thought was absolutely immense. But it was a day for, it was a day for experience really, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I've just got goosebumps from that little bit there as well. I could just can't, I'd relive those moments. We were very big on let's control and regulate our emotions for this game. We know that it's a big occasion. We know it's a, a semi-final of a cup and, and obviously this team's got new people like myself and stuff like that. So we haven't been in that position before. I know the, the people from last year, which is which is what you said, like the, the two goal scorers and Kate Rock got one of the assists, like they were very, very important for us on that day. And I kind of just think it it brought two kind of parts of Newcastle together like the new in this season and then yeah. where they've come from like I've, I said after I was like the two goal scorers Geordies they've been here for a while and they properly brought us through and like we always have to respect as new people and also like new fans and things like that respect where 
the team has come from in that sense as well. It does make it more special. Like I was sorry to interrupt. I was going to say there are. Mu- I mean, and this is something I thought a lot talking talking to people for that piece that there is that huge parallel with the men's team last season, where you've got the people who've risen following the takeover, and of course, you know, a lot of money has been spent on the men's team. You know, same as happening with the women's team. People being brought in, four new players coming in January. You know, there's there is that constant ambition to improve. But you know, Grace. Made, had to make a great save in that match. She was yeah, someone who was at the team. You know, she was someone who was with the team at, um, in 2017 and was paying to play. You've got all those stories of you know it's the same thing. It's the stories of people who've been here and risen, and then you know you've come home. Dan Byrne came home to the men's team. You know, there's there's all that sort of similar thing. It's a, it's a very similar story. It's very precious that thing that you've got right now, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's just that it's like to the core you know that heart is there and I think we won't have that same we wouldn't have had that same amount of heart without those people like if you think about key moments in the game like Charlotte Potts like her tackles and stuff oh, like that and just cover yeah. was insane her goal G's goal Katie Barker's cross Grace Donnelly's save like it just again it makes it more special like and we have to embrace that and respect that and respect where the team has come from and and not just what we're doing this year, but those characters are massive for us. Oh, it's just a day. <laughs> just a day. Honestly, I can't. I was what I was about to say earlier is we wanted to regulate our emotions, and that was all like kind of we'll, we'll prepare the same like we do all the time. We've got to stay consistent with that, no matter if we're playing in front of twenty five thousand at St James's Park, three thousand at Kingston Park, or if we turned up to a place and we had. 100 fans, which I know is impossible with the Geordies because they're, they're there in massive numbers. But that was a big thing, right? So here I'm going, girls, just got to regulate our emotions today. Just got to regulate your emotions. Everyone stay calm. Don't play the occasion. And then I'm literally <laughs> flooding with tears. So then we've done that. And I'm thinking, now nah, regulate yourself now, girl. Uh, regulate yourself now. And then we've gone into the little huddle. And I'm like, I've just got to keep my head down. I'll do the team talk, but what normally happens is I'll say, right, girls, I'm going to go up for the coin toss. You have a little team talk and then I'll come back. So as I've left that huddle, I kept that bit really short and sweet. I was like, I'm going to go up there just because I was crying. So then I've walked up to the refs and I thought, okay, seriously, stop now. Stop now. And like, it wasn't like a sob sob. It was like a smile, you know, <laughs> slow tears. Like one of those ones you see in the movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I thought, I'm going up for the coin toss now. And I thought, I cannot let these refs go into this game thinking I'm over-emotional. Interesting. I just remember saying to myself, no matter what tackle I put in, if I am sobbing in front of these refs, no matter what (laughs) tackle I put in, if I mistime it or anything, it's going to be like, oh, blacked up by her name. So I just remember being really cheery when I was doing that. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's a great day, isn't it? Like being proper friendly with them. and, And then I managed to get a team talk out. And then it was like, nah, like the whistle went and it was all just, I managed to compose myself. Like, uh, like, geez, if I didn't do that, I don't know where we'd be. I'd probably still be in hiding. But yeah, I managed to compose myself. And yeah, it was just, uh, again, it's really hard to put into words. Like, just amazing. 
I've got a far more trivial question to ask. Because uh, as we know, I am fascinated by the slope of the pitch at St. James's Park <laughs> and whether Newcastle should shoot that way. Did, did, did you visibly notice it when playing? And relative to other pitches, is it, is it a lot different? Have you been on other pitches like that where there is such a pronounced slope? Oh, it's just beautiful. <laughs> oh, I'll take St. James' Park and their slope any day of the week. Uh, honestly, when you properly put your laces through the ball and it just skims off that pitch, whether it's uphill, downhill, yeah, yeah it, it's noticeable. But um, I remember one of the girls saying about the coin toss and what end we'd start in and stuff like that. And they were like, let's start this end, which would have been uphill for us. And I literally, in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, second half, scoring the Gallagher. Nice, nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've, if I'm being completely honest, guys, the first 25 minutes of the game, I was not in my head. Like, I know I said I, like, I was just buzzing, like, in a good way, like, you know, like where they say sometimes yeah. people just, like, play out their skin because they're, like, I just... So, yeah, I didn't notice anything other than the ball and what we had to do with it. Yeah. It sounds opposite of what I said about regulate my emotions basically I'd had two caffeine chewing gums and I was off <laughs> the scale like honestly off the scale and I don't often touch caffeine because I don't need it uh, like I've had none today and uh yeah those two caffeine chewing gums I thought oh gosh I don't know how to reverse this right now just stay <laughs> just stay with it just stay with it so I was properly after after the game I was talking in the change room and some of the girls were like are you okay I was like, girls, yeah, honestly. So I had two caffeine chewing gums. It was just amazing. Like, duh, 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 duh. Yeah. But I said in the game, I was going, right, right. So in my head, I was like, right, right, St. James' Park. So yeah, so we do this, we do this. And I was like, but outside, I was going, girls, just calm. Everyone calm. Regulate. Everything's good. Just play the game. But yeah, I was buzzing. I can see you doing that at various moments. You just know how to take the sort of pulse of a match and and respond to it. And yeah, you know when to calm things down and you know when to ramp ramp things up. It's very impressive. Oh yeah, um, there was a hospital ball in the second half, and I must have stood up and been like, "That is a hospital ball!" <laughs> and then I was like, "It's okay though." <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I think we're we're big on that. And to be fair, I've never seen so many pictures of me yeah, pointing yeah. in my life. But it was, a, but that's it. It's, it was it was an occasion for that. You need, you know, you need people like you to do that kind of thing on a day like that. I think. Don't want to be known as one of those players that just points and doesn't do their own job. No, though. no, you do. We know a few of those. Everyone's probably thinking of you. <laughs> Come on, you Maggies. So come on then. I mean, so I mean, it's a brilliant achievement. I mean, it's 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 fabulous. Obviously, you know, the priority this season. Well, I mean, I don't know if the priority was to go up to go up this season. Um, but you top of the league. Yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. Things going brilliantly on that front. Now you've got a cup final. How have you How have you sort of dealt with those twin things going on? And what happens? You know, what happens next? Is the cup Is the cup just a, a lovely bonus? I mean, to me, it's like. There's a chance that this is the first trophy Newcastle have won post takeover. Absolutely, can set a tone for the club. Can be a really feels like a huge moment now to me psychologically for the club, and tangibly. What about what about you? And what are you what are you all sort of talking about behind the scenes? Just do what we've got to do. Do our jobs, whether it's cup final or league game. Like we know we're in a cup final, but that has been parked for now. Because there's no point going into a cup final if we slip up in the league the next two, three games. So genuinely, we are like 
stay consistent, don't get too excited. They're saying that I'm not a massive fan of, where it's like, don't get too high with the highs, don't get too low with the lows. It's amazing. We've, we've won the semi, semi-final at, at St. James's Park. I think the biggest thing on that is playing in front of a big crowd and hopefully inspiring people like out of that, because technically, although we got ourselves into a final, what have we actually won yet? Which sounds really <laughs> negative, but just stay grounded with it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to go and celebrate that we've won a semi-final. Uh, we're not going to celebrate like we've won, we've won a semi-final, we haven't won the league yet and everything like that. So it is just stay really grounded and and don't get overconfident and don't get ahead of yourselves. And all these memories, if we don't see the season out the way we want to, that memory of St. James's Park and stuff like that, if I'm being honest, like they're not going to be memories that we'll chat about for ages. Whereas if we get both done um, and believe ourselves and, and, and see it out and achieve or overachieve, then we can talk about this season forever. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to disagree with you because I, I, I know exactly what you mean, but I would just say that one of the kind of most profound experiences of that day was actually walking walking up to the stadium and being, you know, walking behind a lot of families who were there with, with kids. And obviously, when it's so difficult to get into St. James's at the minute, a lot of those kids were making their first journeys to the stadium. You know, the, the Bobby quote, you know, hand in hand, all of that sort of thing that that was their that will have been their first experience of Newcastle United and they got to see a brilliant team a successful team it was an absolutely fa- fabulous atmosphere and you know in terms of spi- inspiring people you're doing that week in week out so i do want to not correct the record because i totally know what you're saying from a sports person's point of view that you've achieved nothing yet but you actually are achieving something every time you play and every time you play in front of in front of these fans, because and you know particularly girls, particularly women, people who've not had a pathway to play or participate, and you know perhaps not watch uh, either. And yeah, so you've, you're doing something very very special on the pitch, but something very special is happening off the pitch as well. That's what the, I said. The only thing we've achieved is that inspiring people, which is massive, and I think is more important than kind of you know in life wise inspiring people and. And creating those memories of people is massive. So I do agree on that. And like we always say, yes, we play for results. We play for winning leagues and cup finals and things like that. But ultimately, which we always talk about a lot, is playing for that legacy and creating kind of a change and showing opportunities for women's football. But I also feel like massively, I know it doesn't suit my accent, but female football in the North East as well has not been where it should be the last however many uh, years and I, I hope that think well, I know things like things like Sunday would have made a big difference to that. Yeah. And again, if we kick on and do what we want to achieve, what we want to achieve this season, like that changes the future, not just in the northeast but across the across the country and things like that. Like we're a full time tier three team. That's not coming around every day. Do you know what I mean? So it yeah. might have to it will change people's mindsets and hopefully inspire not just fans and families and things like that but people to put more back into women's football I might want to ask you about Becky Langley as well and the job that she's done she's she's been incredible since she's come in is she a good manager to have in these circumstances yes she hasn't paid me for anything I'm about to say (laughs) Uh, but no her the way she manages us as players um, like the staff the day-to-day life and things like that, you just wouldn't expect someone of her, I know age isn't everything, but she seriously, for me, is like, feels like one of the most experienced managers I've had. 
um, maybe because she's faced loads of different challenges in in roles and different tiers and, and the up and coming is very different. But I know that she's so core to, to what we're doing. And um, I, again, as always speak very highly of her, but probably speak to her quite a lot as captain as well. And and she's very open to listening to things. She just leads by example in the sense of like all our core values, she's she's an existence of them, if that makes sense. And accountability and she's got humility as well. And she's the first to be like, right, maybe that's on us as staff or or that's this. But she's also got it got it in her to be like, demand more and that's not good enough. It's just a I don't know how it all blends together, but it does and, and it's and it's massive for us and I'm really glad honestly glad that I've managed to um come to a team with Becky as manager because it's it's refreshing as well and just her pride in what she does and also how much she cares for us as players and people and everything like that. It's just so, so key. I mean, obviously, promotion hasn't been sealed yet. There's still time to go in the season. But in your interview with George in January, Amber, you did talk about promotion chasing teams that you've played for in the past. They're almost waiting till the summer break once, they, and then if they are promoted, then you sort of switch mindset and, and you start operating like a championship side. And you want to sort of operate like a championship side this season to get ahead of that. Has has that been happening without saying that you're getting ahead of yourself and going to go promote? Do you feel that you are already in that mindset? I really believe we are. Like I think that it's always been yes, we want to get promoted, but we don't want to just get promoted. So like if we you know, if you want to build something organically and sustainable, like you're not just gonna do it in little steps, you're gonna have the next step in mind as well. And perfectly timed and things like that. But yeah, that's that's big for us. And when I said like operating like a championship side, for me in, in my experience now, I think seven seven years in the championship or seven different teams. Um, so I feel like I could confidently say we're operating day to day like a championship side because I've been in quite a few to, to say that. And I think that's a credit to the club, to the players, to the staff. And yeah, it's uh, it's good to see. Again, I have been in a team like, like when I said Watford came up, maybe... We were a little bit playing catch-up when they got promoted. I joined and were we playing catch-up and then by the end of the season we got uh, relegated again. And then they, they've they come back up this year. Uh, so it's an, an interesting one on how you do it and how you do it properly. Um, but we're fortunate to be able to do that properly. And you've got Stoke away on Sunday as well. Hopefully the weather will be a bit better than the last time you played them. Yeah, I know. It's that quote, isn't it? Like, Can you do it? Yeah, wet, wet Wednesday night. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, we're not in Stoke. Do you know what? I thought it was Wednesday, but I heard on the radio someone say Stoke on a Tuesday. What one is it, guys? <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, any night of the week in Stoke, it's not, it's not great. Okay, then, I'll rephrase that. So, yeah, it's like that. Uh, can you do it on good. a rainy evening in Stoke? Um, but I'm, the way that that rain was coming down when they came up here was, yeah, we had a... We had a do we have a storm break in the game? Yeah. We, believe, we, we had to go back inside to stay safe. Um, and it was like, honestly, <laughs> it was mad. But yeah, uh, excited to get back to league action. And again, like now that's genuinely laser focus is that game. And I think that's what we do good as a group. 
So the women are in the potteries uh, on Sunday. Men welcome black country guests in the shape of wolves. Uh, have we got enough to keep the wolves from the door, George? I see what you've done there, Taylor. Very clever. Thank you. Very clever. Beautiful. Yeah, seamless. Like seamless link. Well, let's hope so, yeah. I mean, let's hope there's some momentum behind both teams. Certainly shouldn't be a problem for, for Amber's team. They're just they're in, incredible, an incredible team and... Um, so fun to watch and so good to watch and they play so well and for the for the men yeah you just got to hope that that result sort of allows them to sort of kick on and keep going and we we sort of wait it's been such a bitty season it's been such a ridiculous season but yeah hopefully that will carry them through and it's we'll see that on the pitch wolves have been playing quite well recently so it's not a it's not an easy game but um but yeah looking forward to it well, I think that's just about it. And I have to say as well, thank you so much for coming on. There is absolutely no shame in crying on the pitch in St James's Park. I once played in a charity game at St James's Park and I cried as I walked onto the pitch. And it wasn't anything to do with the emotional gravitas of the situation. It was because I realised how big the pitch was and the fact that I've got knees made of styrofoam. Uh, and and it, it, you know, it wasn't a good afternoon for me. I cried. I cried at St James's Park for about ten years <laughs> watching that rubbish. Yeah, I was thinking it's the first time I've cried at. St. Oh no. But thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. No problem. Thank you very much for um having me on the pod. Well you're you're a total star. Uh we love you to bits and um you you were doing such a great job. So please please keep it up and yeah, we're all we're all behind you. It's um been a a fantastic season so far. Jacob says hi but from a distance because he's still quite intimidated by you. Yeah, is he scared, yeah. 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 Bottle he bottled this one, funnily enough. You yeah, yeah, still got the battle. He's unfollowed me on some stuff, (laughs) no (laughs) chance. Should, should, should get oh, him back. Send him a letter. Do you know what? I'll send him charity a letter. Charity box and match. Something. That's what I'll start. Charity box and match. There you Absolutely. go. I have been told quite a few times since St. James's Park, people were like, I did not expect you to play like that. I was like, what do you mean? They were like, I thought you were an attacking player, but you were literally, you were putting tackles in left, right and centre. Yeah, and I was brilliant. like, you were brilliant. been playing centre-back for half the season. What do you yeah. want me to do? Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll put 50-50 with him. <laughs> Absolutely. Right then, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, get in touch at Pod on the Tyne on Twitter or X and email us at Pod on the Tyne at theathletic.com. Thank you again, Amber. It's been brilliant fun. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thank you very much, Chris Woff. You're very, very welcome. And thank you so much as well, George Cork, and thanks for your time. Oh, it's been a delight, hasn't it? What a what a treat! What an absolute treat this has been. Amber, such a star. Um, we need to need to get her back on again soon. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. That's it for Pod on the Time. We'll be back very, very soon. Take care. Taylor. We have lost. We have Taylor. lost. Taylor. Didn't like something that I said. He's <laughs> just just had enough. Chucked off. I yeah. thought that when he stayed really still and didn't blink for a while as well. I think <laughs> his team must. Yes. I was like upset him, but then he was just frozen, wasn't he? Oh, was he oh sorry, I don't know what happened. I just everything's disappeared. That's okay. I think I put you to sleep there. The Athletic.